0: Everyone sort of had the same question, like, what was Dominion thinking, cutting the dividend? I mean, you you could have slowly exited this business. You could have done a joint venture. You could have avoided the tax bill. There's a lot of things they could have done. So clients were very surprised.
1: From our remote offices in the New York Tri-State area, welcome to No More, Risk Better, a Credit Sites podcast. For this episode of our podcast, we present an excerpt from our weekly wrap with our co-heads of investment-grade research, Aaron Lyons, our investment-grade strategist, and Andy DeVries, our senior utilities analyst. If you're an investment professional that touches the wide universe of fixed income, you will want to give us a listen. We are living a surreal life right now, but our team of nearly 100 analysts continues to publish content to our more than 15,000 readers across global credit markets. Please enjoy the weekly wrap with Aaron Lyons and Andy DeVries.
2: Andy, thanks for joining us today. Together we had the IG team here at Credit Sites, and you are probably better known for your utility coverage. You've been covering the space for 20 years, and you always have a very entertaining way of telling the stories on the sector. You've made great calls, and while utilities generally are a bit of a longer-term hold sector, you've had some big news in this space. So just to kick it off, what happened with Dominion and Buffett this week?
0: Great, Aaron. Thanks for having me. Thank you, for everyone, for dialing in. We had some big M&A in the space here, so Warren Buffett. Berkshire Hathaway subsidiary he bought $9.7 billion of pipeline assets from Dominion Energy, which is a $62 billion market cap US utility with around $40 billion of debt. So they bought a pipeline system in and around the Marcellus Shale, that's Pennsylvania. It also stretched up into uh, New York, Connecticut, and in the south part of West Virginia. So as a quick reminder, utilities make up about 20% of Berkshire's empire. And the parent company is injecting equity into the utility subsidiary, so Berkshire's utility subsidiary can make this purchase. So it's $4 billion of cash, and then the assumption of $5.7 billion in debt, a total $10 billion deal. So for Dominion, the sold assets were about 20% of earnings, but owing to the debt that's going with it, they're keeping the same mid-teens FFO to debt target, and that's very key. So it's a mostly long-haul gas pipeline system in and around the Marcellus, like I just said. Dominion bonds sold off during COVID because of this midstream exposure. So we dove in and look at those pipeline assets. We actually upgraded the company's uh, company bonds, Dominion's bonds, because we liked them so much and we thought the, the selling was overdone. We upgraded the bonds because we liked that pipeline system, although we ob- obviously never saw this Buffett deal coming.
2: Thanks, Andy. So my question is, I guess, why would Buffett buy these assets? And is there anything in particular that makes them a good buy?
0: So Buffett bought some pipeline assets from Dynagy, who actually bought them from Enron back 20 years ago during the California energy crisis. So they're already in the pipeline business. Their existing pipelines are long haul pipelines. These ones are a little shorter haul, but they're already in the pipeline business. They're well contracted. And that's basically what Buffett likes, You know, stable, predictable earnings. They're take-or-pay assets, so they're not sensitive to gas prices. In the near term, they're not sensitive to volumes. And then they also picked up a 25% interest in the Cove Point LNG export terminal in Maryland, which, interestingly, Dominion spent $4 billion constructing, and then they monetized it at an $8 billion valuation. Last year, they sold 25% to Brookfield. Now they're selling another 25% to, to Berkshire here.
2: Okay. And then does Dominion still have the remainder of that? Of the
0: yes, the Dominion, keeping, they're keeping 50%, and on, on the call, they were asked if they would sell more of it, and they said, no, they definitely don't want to sell more, which means they probably do want to sell more, uh, but they are keeping that 50% interest.
2: Okay, thanks. So I know there's been debates around whether or not this is a good deal, but what multiple was this deal done at?
0: Yeah, that's the uh, number one question. So just on a simple level, the deal was done at 10 times enterprise value to EBITDA. But as I said earlier, we know that Brookfield deal with, for 25% of code Point last year, if you apply that same multiple, it implies that Buffett's really only paying eight to nine times for the non-Cove Point assets here, which is a little bit below where the pipeline MLP sector actually trades. So we think Buffett got a, a, a pretty good deal on this one. It's also it interesting that... Like, go ahead.
2: I was going to say, it seems like Buffett always gets good deals. <laughs> He's a knack for that.
0: That's why he's a billionaire.
2: So one of the questions I had for you is, are there other utilities that you cover that have similar structures with meaningful midstream exposure? And could this be a catalyst for those companies to explore sales as well?
0: Sure. So the three utilities with midstream exposure are, uh, are Dominion, CenterPoint, and DTE. CenterPoint cut their dividend back in April because their midstream exposure came from Enable Midstream, which is a uh, pretty challenged basins they have a new ceo just came in from halliburton he was quoted in the press yesterday saying he expects to accelerate the sale of of, uh, enable dt also owns midstream but we don't think they're going to sell anything the key here is taxes because all of these legacy pipeline assets at all these companies have low or no tax basis so any sale at all leads to a big tax bill and that's always prevented these sales but dominion in this deal remember they're getting four billion in cash they're paying $1 billion of that in cash taxes, so they really want it out of the business to pay that billion-dollar tax bill. So we think that paves the way for other utilities to say, okay, it's okay to pay taxes, and a lot, of, uh, a lot more streamlining could be done, especially on the generation side as well. You could also make the argument that corporate-level capital gains taxes are cheaper now under President Trump than a potential you know, President Biden. And you also seen that in other sectors with PNC offloading their BlackRock position and some other ones as
2: well. Right. That's a good point. And I think just to my earlier what we're watching, there's a lot of work and analysis that we we can be doing around what different presidential candidates could mean for the market in general. But back to this deal. So there was related news on the Atlantic Coast Pipeline as part of this announcement. Can you just explain what that was and what that means for the space?
0: Sure. So Dominion and Duke were both constructing the Atlantic Coast Pipeline. It was originally going to cost four to five billion. The cost went up to eight billion. Some people thought it was going to be as high as ten billion, and they walked away from that project. So they got positive news from the Supreme Court a couple of weeks ago uh, to let it proceed, but there were some other barriers in the way, and they ended up just pulling the plug and walking away. So they're each taking around a two billion dollar charge because they spent around four billion so far. So that deal is no, that pipeline is no longer. Going were being built. You've also seen the Supreme Court in the same day this was announced. Uh, sorry, not the Supreme Court. Another court ordered the Dakota Access Pipeline uh, to cease operations in August. So you could argue, you know, new pipelines are very challenged and Buffett's buying the existing ones, which you could argue are now have more value.
2: So what happens with these partially completed pipelines? They just sit there empty?
0: The Dakota Access that's fully running, that's so that's going to get tied up in courts forever. I don't know what happens. Atlantic Coast, while they had spent four billion, the actual physical construction was under 10% complete. So not a big deal for like you know the the ditches being dug, but certainly there's some warehouses filled with pipelines somewhere, and I don't know what gets used, with, what, what what they do with those pipes. Do they melt them down? Do they repurpose them? I don't know. It's a great question. Great.
1: Just
2: more out of curiosity. So Dominion obviously has a lot of moving parts right now with this deal, but With this transaction, it seems more like a mostly regulated utility, right?
0: Yes. Great question. So we were pretty surprised about the agencies here. So their state regulated utility earning stream, obviously that's sort of the gold standard of credit quality. That state regulated earning stream, state utility regulated stream is going from 70% to 90% with this deal. And they're keeping the same mid-teens FFO target. And the agencies didn't upgrade them on that. We just didn't think that made any sense. So we put out a report today of a screen of all the utilities, the diversified utilities, and looked at their percent of non-utility earnings versus their FFO to debt targets. And Dominion just jumps out here as an outlier It's staying in mid-triple B. So we think the agencies are just being the agencies and taking their time, which we know they do, and we think there's another 10 bips in the bonds tightening. So we're keeping our outperform on them. Uh, to put that in context, the bonds, their 2030s came in 15 bips uh, versus a flat utility index. So we think there's another 10 bips to go. But that was, then, the next 10 bips will take some time.
2: <laughs> okay. Who do you think the closest comps to Dominion are now?
0: I think you look at these high triple B names and it's you know essentially the Dukes, the Excel's of the world. What we want to look at is not just the ratings. You want to look at fully regulated or over ninety percent. And then you want to look at multi-state jurisdictions. Dominion, remember, they bought a utility in Utah a couple years ago. Uh, they were successful in buying Scana in South Carolina. So you've got the multi-state jurisdiction. The agencies ding you if you're single state.
2: Okay, thanks. Just shifting gears a little bit, we know that ESG has become an even more important consideration for investors. I know you and I have done lots of calls with investors about how they're thinking about ESG and how we at credit sites can help them think about ESG. And now we're seeing investors look for more clean energy assets. I know you've mentioned that there's this debate within the utility investor set, but how should we view this deal and what it means for the space?
0: Yeah, before getting into this deal, Aaron, just ESG is back. So 2018, early 2019, we were doing an ESG call or email, you know, I'd say two, three times a month. By the end of 2019, that was up to one to two ESG uh, calls and emails a week, and then even until COVID hit, it was even more than that. And then for all of March and all of April, we didn't hear anything on the ESG front from our clients. But now these ESG questions are coming back. So ESG is definitely uh, definitely an investor focus here. Uh, as and far as this deal, that, you know, sorry, go just stop
2: for a second. What kind of questions are you getting from investors on ESG?
0: So. In the utility sector, it's a lot on coal exposure because coal sort of dominates things. So we do the standard coal ones, but then there's other ones as far as, you know, we we found there's a lot of clients the ESG score is very important, but also the trajectory of the ESG score is even more important. So if someone comes to market and they've got a lot of coal exposure, they say, well, we can't buy the deal. It must be show that they can actually go out and they're, they're improving this ESG score. And I think the good example from that is over in the pipeline sector where Charles Johnson covers, he's talking about these pipeline companies, they're adding solar panels on the compressor stations of the pipes. And the questions on that dominate the earnings call or the, you know, CEO presentation. And it's like, this is a rounding error. You're putting some solar panels on a compressor station, but it allows these investors to say, Oh, this is a, this company's moving fossil fuels, but Hey, they've added some solar panels. So it gets a good they're trajectory. Green. <laughs> yeah. So, it's, so the trajectory scores, or we're finding from talking to a lot of clients, are very important as well.
2: Okay, thanks. So how so does this back, deal play into it? Yeah.
0: Sure. So back to this deal, you know, dividends are you know they're sacrosanct in this de- in this sector. No one wants to ever cut a dividend. It's like you know, no one wants to be that management team to do it. And Dominion did that. They sold these earnings. Earnings went down 25%. They had to cut the dividend. They're also paying a billion-dollar cash tax bill, which, again, people never wanted to pay these taxes ever. So clearly, Dominion wanted out in a pretty big way, and they spent a lot of time talking about the clean energy transition on their call. The interesting thing here, and I found this fascinating, Aaron, is the buyer is Warren Buffett. He's the second largest owner of renewables in the country after NextEra. So it'd be one thing if Dominion was selling this to you know, some big, bad private equity firm or some existing MLP pipeline company. No, we, they're selling these assets to Warren Buffett, who's the second largest owner of renewables in the country. So it's a pretty big disconnect here. Uh, you've also got to keep in mind, Dominion has a great history of selling assets. They sold $7 billion of EMP assets at the absolute top of the natural gas market in 2007. And then they sold off the remaining portfolio for $4 billion uh, in two thousand and ten, so you got to give Dominion credit for being a well timed m and a and obviously Buffett does some really well timed m a so it's a pretty interesting story here
2: right, and just one more question on dividends before we kind of keep talking about the green clean energy. do you think more utilities will cut dividends because as i'm looking at it from the strategy's perspective, companies pay a tremendous amount of their free cash flow, even in normal periods to shareholders in the form of dividends and and buybacks. You know, I calculated at the end of last year that about 70% of free cash generation at the median went to those two methods and actually about 75% of that spend was on dividends. We know they're sticky, we know they're hard to turn off. But given COVID, why are more companies not at least just pausing to preserve cash? And do you think you'll see more of this in the utility space?
0: I would tell you, absolutely not you will not see any dividend cuts in the utility sector but if you asked me last week if Dominion would cut their dividend I would say absolutely not so it's a good question what we did is ran a screen and this report got published yesterday on uh, Exelon and public service who both get a lot of their earnings and cash flows from non-utility businesses mainly their generation companies and we quantified they, how much of their dividend to the parent how much of the dividend going to the public comes from the dividend from those Genco's going to the parent company. It's around 55% at Exelon, around 40% of public service, and that report's on the website right now.
2: Thanks, so we'll see. I guess this is on my list of things to watch for earnings season. But back to this trade, just given it's so interesting for your space, who do you think is on the right side from a clean energy perspective? And then also, who is the winner on the earnings or valuation side?
0: Well, I'm going to do the earnings side first, because I think that's, uh, that's the easier one here. We think it's pretty simple. Buffett wins again. Uh, as I said earlier, you know, the same day that this was announced, the code of access was ordered to shut down, and then Dominion Duke walked from uh, the Atlantic Coast project. So it's hard you know, not to view those events as boosting the value of existing pipelines. Uh, obviously, Dominion stock built 10% on the news. So we think from, a, from an earnings valuation point of view, Buffett is the clear winner. The clean energy front, it's not so clear here. So we understand the anti-gas bias of this whole country. Uh, We're actually publishing a report on that going out Monday morning. But the reality is we still have to kill off coal before you can kill off natural gas and put any threat to these pipes uh, at risk here. Coal is still 23% of our generation fleet. So if you assume that all gets replaced with gas, that's another 10 BCF a day of gas demand in the 95 BCF a day market. Obviously renewables are going to get some of that market share. But the outlook for gas is still in growth mode, and a lot of that growth is going to come from the Marcellus, where these pipes are situated. And, you know, some of the gung-ho renewable advocates will say wind and solar plus battery storage will kill off gas. And we're obviously spending a lot of time tracking these batteries, but right now they're just not economic. Nobody is deploying them to our peak, off-peak spreads. and The only installations of batteries now are with utilities who pass those costs on to customers. Batteries really dominate our trade publications, Aaron. Every day, there's a story or two. Uh, Battery costs are coming down, just to put it in perspective really quickly, they're down around 90% over the last 10 years, around $130 a kilowatt hour of capacity, Uh, but they still have a ways to go before they're actually economic to our peak and off-peak spreads. They also, the other issue is they only run four hours at a time, so if you want to sell into the peak market, you've got to be able to run more than four hours. Uh, on the anti-gas front, we're actually, you know, monitoring a lot of situations. Berkeley, California's uh, sought to uh, ban gas, not just in new buildings, but existing buildings. Brookline, Massachusetts tried to do it as well. Uh, but the reality is Joe Biden is by no means Liz Warren. Liz Warren wanted to ban gas just as much as, uh, as, as Berkeley did and Brookline, Massachusetts did. But Biden has not come out with these anti-gas um, statements yet. So. Back to who's the winner on the ESG clean energy front, it's still too early to tell, but we think uh, we think Buffett will end up being the winner here.
2: Okay. I know you're probably missing your battery conference this year. That was a highlight last year, right?
0: It, it was. It. So I'm disappointed <laughs> it went virtual, so it's too bad.
2: Not the same. So let's just stick with the clean energy angle for a second. And we've written about the investment implications for the utility space and the Green New Deal. What's your thought process on on what this could mean? As I mentioned earlier, the election is quickly becoming the thing to focus on. You know, I even have four client questions this morning along the lines of which sectors are impacted and what does a Biden win mean for your space?
0: Sure. So we published on this and we obviously talk about it a lot. You know, he campaigned Biden campaigned on the Green New Deal, even if he doesn't take the Senate. We do think that there's some form of bipartisan energy legislation coming, like extending the investment tax credit for solar or production tax credit for wind. In fact, the last stimulus bill, the one that actually passed, uh, uh, gave those guys longer time to qualify for those tax credits. If Democrats take the Senate, it's going to be more aggressive, like a national renewable requirement or something. Either way, clean energy legislation has two positives for utilities, increased rate-based spending. $135 $135 billion of capex for the sector this year, that's up from $100 billion five years ago and $75 billion 10 years ago. That's total capex. The renewable component of that is only around $15 billion, according to an article I read this week. Uh, so all that spending goes into the rate-based, generally 50-50 debt equity. You earn a 10% ROE on the equity. So equity holders are happy since it boosts the EPS growth rate. So, anything that, you know, any type of green new deal is going to boost that rate based spending even higher. So, that's the first positive. The second positive is electric vehicles. And Bloomberg New Energy Finance has the best stat. At 30% of electric, if 30% of car sales in 2030 are electric, it adds 2% of demand to the grid. 2% is a major, major swing factor in electricity, which then leads to more and more spending. And it's interesting, Aaron, if you, you survey people, why they don't buy an electric vehicle. The number one response is not cost, it's range anxiety. You worry about running out of charge. So those studies are pretty w- widely circulated and politicians see them, and so then they want people to build electric vehicle charging stations. Outside of a shopping mall with plenty of space, no one wants these charging stations. So the utilities are happy to do them because they put them into rate base. So the first positive, increased rate base spending. The second one is electric vehicle. Uh, Charging stations, which also goes goes into rate base. And then the risk is net metering, which I won't go into uh, here in the interest of time. But we do think any form of clean energy legislation will be positive.
2: And just on that point, you know, when we do say our issuance outlooks every year, utilities have an ever increasing kind of amount of debt that they're issuing to fund this CapEx. Do you worry at some point about these leverage metrics because your space is one that already runs with? Pretty elevated leverage, or do you think because they're regulated, the leverage is is totally fine?
0: On the opco side, we're not worried at all because remember, you're all the spending and capex and debt issuance. It's what the impact is on rate payers. So half your bill is generation, and half is transmission and distribution. The generation side is falling so much owing to shale gas and cheap gas prices and you know cheaper renewables. That the utilities, rather than letting your power bills actually decline, they're jacking up the T&D portion, but the overall bills aren't increasing much more than inflation. So that's what we're watching is the rate impact. And if that starts getting out of whack, then we'll start looking at the leverage. But for right now, we don't really see any risk. For the OPCO side, hold codes are a different story, and those really go into specific names.
2: Okay, which I know you do a great job covering those and publishing different reports highlighting which opcos and holdcos you like. Um, but just back to the political arena, do you think see anything on the Trump agenda that have any pillars of the Green New Deal?
0: Does, does Trump actually have an agenda? I, I didn't know that. <laughs>
2: um,
1: or.
0: <laughs> Trump tried to bail out the coal and nuclear plants when he first took office, and the FERC basically shut that down. And so now he, he makes a lot of comments, but we haven't really seen anything concrete there.
2: Okay. As with a lot of things, it's, you know, like the infrastructure bill will come at some point, but who knows what. Exactly. Just as we kind of get to the end of this, any picks and pans for our clients to play a Biden clean energy deal?
0: You know, we always have picks and pans over here, Aaron. I know. (laughs) So we love Terraform Power. It's a low single B, low double B name. They're getting acquired by Brookfield. We think those, and those bonds, 2028s are at plus 370. They're being merged into Brookfield, which has an investment-grade rating, but no investment-grade bonds. So we can make a pretty strong argument they're going to investment-grade. They have not commented if they're going to get a parent guarantee from Brookfield or not. So worst case, they go to high double B, but there's still upside on those bonds if you look at the comps like a NextEra or someone. The best part is they're not callable until 2027, because obviously when you buy a double-B bond and something good happens, they always just get called away. This one has call protections. We like that. On the stock side, we just published a report last week looking at clean energy ETFs and the share counts in these ETFs have gone out and all the common holders there. We like NextEra Energy Partners. We think they're one of the best plays because of the strong parent support and the parent drop-down runway. But the reality is everyone loves that name. So the one that everyone's not talking about is Brookfield Renewable Partners. This is an MLP. It throws off K-1 income. But as part of their acquisition of Terraform Power, TERP, they're creating a new C-Corp security. And that's our favorite security. You can buy BEP now. It's going to throw off K-1 income. But it will mirror this new C-Corp that's coming out. And none of these clean energy ETFs own Brookfield because of that K-1 issue. Once they come out with this new security, they're all going to buy it in size, and we think you can just go out and buy BEP right now on it. So those are our sort of favorite names for a a clean energy deal.
2: Okay, sounds good. And then also, I like the Terraform one in particular, because something we're hearing from clients, too, is they're looking for yield, so they're willing to go in that crossover space. And in a, a world where we're worried about all the fallen angels, one that you think uh, moves higher in rating is definitely a good story to highlight. Um, yeah, that's, that's but then name. just lastly, how did clients react to this news this week?
0: Yeah, so Dominion bonds were in 15 bips, So I think people like that deal. People, Everyone sort of had the same question, like what was Dominion thinking cutting the dividend? I mean, you, you could have slowly exited this business. You could have done a joint venture. You could have avoided the tax bill. There's a lot of things they could have done. So clients were very surprised. They actually sort of, you know, Hold the trigger, pay the taxes, and cut the dividend. And then we were just as surprised as they were.
2: But isn't it a good thing that they're saving cash if they have this tax bill?
0: Well, they're paying a billion dollars to the IRS, so I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing.
2: <laughs> yeah, I guess my corporate non-utility background is you know, cash savings are what I'm always focused on. Um, and then any interesting questions or commentary come out of your calls with clients this week?
0: No, everyone's trying to figure out what Dominion's doing. And like you asked me earlier, who's next? And I think it's not on the midstream side. I think it's more on the the Genco side. And so we published on that this week.
2: Okay. Well, Andy, thank you so much for joining us today. It's always good to have you on to to chat. Um, I know you and your team have been publishing a ton on all things in the utility world. So very much encourage everyone to go read everything Andy and team have been putting out.
1: I hope you enjoyed the excerpt from our weekly wrap. Please stay tuned for future episodes of our podcast. As always, you can find our research on our website, creditsites.com, or if you are not a subscriber, please contact us at sales at creditsites.com. Credit Sites Disclaimer. All price references correspond to the date of this recording. This podcast should not be copied, distributed, or produced in whole or in part. Neither Credit Sites nor its affiliates makes any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of any information complained in this podcast. Credit Sites is not providing investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, it is not providing research or making any recommendations, nor is Credit Sites offering or soliciting any transaction with respect to the purchase or sale of any security. Receipt by the listener of this podcast is not the giving of advice by Credit Sites or its affiliates.